How are you now? Welcome to the Letterkenny Podcast. I'm your host, Arish, and this is episode four. On this episode, I'll let you show on Letterkenny News after the big break between episodes three and four. And I'm going to review season one, episode four. So let's get ready for the Letterkenny Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Letterkenny Podcast. Sorry about the big break between episodes three and four. In that time, my son and his wife had a baby girl, and now I'm a grandfather at 41. So the house has been quite busy. They stay with us. I also had a bad flu and a persistent cough, so uh, recording would have been difficult and not quite listener-friendly. Now, a few things uh, did happen in the news. Biggest of which was some sad news that came out of Listowel. Uh, you might remember back in episode zero, I talked about uh, Jared Kiso and his family and how they own a lumber mill in Listowel, Ontario. And it's been in their family for five generations. Unfortunately, on September 9th, there was a fire at the mill and the entire mill ended up burning down. It burned down in about two hours. Uh, the fire happened at night. No one was injured. Uh, damage uh, lately has been estimated at $4 million. Uh, owners Richard and Ann Kiso are considering their options now, whether to rebuild, move facilities, or close down altogether, which would be quite sad. I'll post a link in the notes. It's not exactly Letterkenny related, but it has to do with uh, one of our stars, and this is their family. It's all about Little Town, Ontario, and this is some of the things that happen. That's the biggest of the news. Now, let's get on with the review. On this episode, it's Season 1, Episode 4, Wingman Wayne. Originally aired February 7th, 2016. Directed by Jacob Tierney. Written by Jared Kiso and Jacob Tierney. And the title crawl says, There are 5,000 people in Letterkenny. These are their problems. We open the scene with Wayne, Daryl, and Squirrely Dan at the bar inside Modine's talking to Gale. Dan is reflecting on the fact that it has been a long time since he's been with a woman. Wayne and Daryl agree there has been a bit of a drought when it comes to the ladies. Gale reminds them that spring break will soon be here and they'll have their prick of the ladies. Gale also mentioned that she too has seen a bit of a dry spell with men and takes turns hitting on Dan and Wayne. She offers $50 off their respective bar tabs to the first one of them to get some action. Derry and Dan are in. We get our opening credits, and we come to the hockey game, where Josie and Riley are chirping from the bench. This is the first time we actually see the hockey players playing hockey, and we learn that they play for the Letterkenny Shamrocks. It's also the first time Shorzy's mentioned, but we don't see him right now. As the play starts, Josie and Riley wonder why Katie doesn't come to their games anymore. Back at the house, Wayne, Daryl, Dan, and Katie talk about their first Thirsty Thursdays of the season. We also learn why Wayne and Daryl don't wear belts. I'm not sure I agree with the reasoning, but can't argue with logic. Outside the house, hockey players are reflecting on their game. I mean, 10 straight losses in a row. And they point out 
all the players are playing bad on the team. Uh, basically everybody except them. And Katie walks up and when they ask why she doesn't come to the game, she says, because they play like shit. Dumbfounded, they realize that there are only two players not playing. Well, the others are. And when they are on the ice, they're just fighting. They commit to play better and if they improve, Katie said she'll come watch. Next step for them, talk to the coach. So back in the dressing room, we meet coach for the first time. Basically, he tells them they're just posers. They're only in it for the hockey lifestyle, and they don't really care about the actual gameplay. He has absolutely no respect for these guys. Night one, inside Modine's. Wayne is cleaning up a big buck hunter and takes a break. Dan and Derry are exchanging stories and checking out the lady. Darrow notices one girl who Gail points out is the sister of one of their friends. Nice girl, but Wayne points out she dated Boots for a while before he went to jail. Gail asks the boys if they heard anything about Boots fucking an ostrich. Wayne clarifies it was Ginger that fucked the ostrich. Allegedly. Gail points out you know, it'd really take more than one guy to fuck an ostrich. Wayne heard it might have been a sick ostrich. Gail figures it's at least a three-man job to fuck an ostrich. Even a sick one. The only concern for Derry is that if it was before or after he dated his sister. On a side note here, I have a question. Is it worse for a girl to be with a guy that fucked an ostrich? Or a guy who fancied an ostrich after dating that girl? I don't know which is worse. It's almost not worth thinking about. Either way, Wayne points out she's sweet on him to get after her. Sure, but, you know, after a few drinks. Back at the arena, Jonesy and Riley are in the shower talking about all the exercises they're going to do and get in better shape. Shoulders, delts, biceps, triceps, chest, back, neck, but not legs. Uh, let's skip leg day. And we see Shorzy. For the first time, getting the best ass washing of his life. That's where you do a handstand in the shower and let the shower. Uh, you know, it's an ass washing. What do you want? Night two at Modine's. Wayne beats McMurray with a perfect score in Big Buck Hunter. McMurray starts telling Wayne about Angie and her new boyfriend in a rather impressive detail and talks about what he's wearing and Wayne cuts him short. So he just doesn't want to hear it. And just then, hearing about Wayne's big buck hunter skills, a lovely young lady comes starts hitting on Wayne. At the bar, Dan notices a nice young lady as well. Wayne points out she's sweet on him and to get after her. Yeah, yeah, sure, but, you know, in a few shots. Back at the arena the next day, hockey players are looking over videos of their last games. Katie comes over, and while they're doing some dryland training, she agrees to come watch their next game. That night is night three at Modine's. Girl comes up to Wayne and asks where the washroom is. As she leaves, he mentioned, eh, she's sweet on him. He moves to get after her. He does up his top button and proceeds after her. Until he sees Angie's name on the work schedule posted on the wall. Turns that mood right off. Next day at the arena during the game, boys are playing much better. Katie is in the stands and Shorzy and another player are talking about Katie. Boys overhear this and they're so upset that they even miss a shift change. Later that night, it's quietening down in the bar. Daryl is asleep on the bar. Dan is holding 
the pickled egg jar like a pillow. Gail isn't too disappointed that she's not giving out any discounts on bar tabs. Katie gets the update from Gail as Josie and Riley walk in. They look like scared puppy dogs and they have to tell Katie that, you know, that she should really stop coming to their games. She's a distraction, you know, for the other guys. Gail's offering herself to Wayne and he's having none of it. Helps her start cleaning up. Then he wakes up Dan, who, this whole scene, has had a pickled egg in his mouth. End credits. The after credit scene, Jonesy and Riley are talking to each other just before bed. Yeah. This is weird. But funny. But weird, too. A couple of notes on this episode. This is the first appearance of Shorzy. Uh, though we never actually see his face, he uses a high-pitched voice. It is played by Jared Kiso. This is also the first appearance of Coach. Coach doesn't have a name, but it is played by Mark Forward. The hockey players' names on the back of their jersey are their names. So the back of Riley's jersey says Riley. Back of Jonesy says Jonesy. The other guys have regular last names like Smith and whatever. Notes from the third edition of this episode. The Big Buck Hunter game is actually Jared Kiso's own game. The scene where Riley and Jonesy are running outside on the asphalt with Katie standing there is the first scene ever filmed with Michelle Milet. That last scene in the bar where they're all sitting there and Daryl's asleep on the bar and Wayne is piling glasses on uh, sleeping Daryl. Actor Nathan Dales is actually asleep. Apparently there was a long shoot shooting day and he was tired. He fell asleep. So that is actually him sleeping. And that is actually them piling shit on his head while he's sleeping. Way to go guys. And just in the last note on the hockey players, uh, they both had junior hockey careers, junior B and junior C leagues in Ontario and BC. My favorite scene and bit of dialogue is when Wayne goes after the girl with the big eyes and Gail makes a comment about how hot she is. And then Dan goes off on a story about her dad. The the girl with the big eyes, not Gail's dad. It's about time when I showed some finish. She's so hot, I'd jerk off her dad just to see where she came from. Who, Jive and Pete? No. That's her dad, Jive and Pete. Jive and Pete. Yeah. He got his nuts all bunged up after a donkey kicked him. Ruptured the hydra seal. One of them swole up to look like a ripe avocado. Other one looks like a, a peach pit. I'll get him to show it to you. He'll show just about anybody when he's drunk. Either way, whole unit's more cauliflowered than a UFC fighter's ear. So, Gail starts on one of her many come-ons, and out of nowhere, Squirrely Dan starts telling a story about the girl's dad, Jive and Pete. And his nutsack, and why his nutsack looks the way it does. I mean, there's a reason that we call him squirrely. That and five million others. But what makes this so funny is how out of left field it is. It had absolutely no prompting, and the detail, and the detail that Dan gets into is outstanding. How the fuck do you know this stuff, man? And without any prompting... This is the most natural delivery of the most ridiculous line I have heard to date. Oh, yeah. Let me talk about his nutsack. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. Funny squarely, Dan. 
my thoughts on this episode. You know what? This is a good one-off episode. We get a standard callback to Ginger in the Boots. There's no skids this episode, which kind of is a plus for me because I don't understand them. But I know they got a fan base. And I got nothing against the actors. They're fantastic actors. But, yeah, I don't know. Skids, uh, skids are not something I can relate to. At least it's up to here. Eh, they grow on me later, but uh, they're not in this episode. Uh, we get our first appearances of Coach and Shorzy. Uh, a lot of chirping from Shorzy. And Coach uh, <laughs> makes his his standard uh, angry comments. We don't get his uh, tagline yet, but uh, I think that's coming up in an episode or two. But it's a good episode. It's a standalone. You can uh, watch this one. And uh, show it to your friends and say, hey, you want to watch Letter Kenny? This is one of the ones you can show them. If you like Gail's pickup lines, eh, this episode has quite a few of them. That's it for this episode. To close out, we're going to play out uh, Mississippi from the Indian Wars. From the album Songs of the North. I always... I hope you like what you hear. If you do, please rate and subscribe this episode on iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Yeah, I got them all on there now. So it should be good to go. Tell your friends. You can reach me at LetterkennyPod on Twitter, Facebook, LetterkennyPod as well. Or you can go to LetterkennyPodcast.com. You can even send me an email. But... I have had zero feedback, so uh, I don't know if anybody listens to this. But you want to? You got any feedback? You don't like something? Let me know. Work or fuck yourself. Either way, I'm good. Take care now. Until next time. Watch levy crumble down and tears fall to the ground. That's on news, just a memory. Shit, who brought the fucking rocket, boys? Holy fuck, boys. Whose billet sister's a fucking rocket? She is a fucking rocket. I got a fucking rocket in my pants right now. Hey, dibs on digis, boys. I already dibs digis, buddy. No, I dibs during warm-up. You were throwing sauce at the blue line. I was dibs and digis. Who the fuck you dibs them to? A dibs is a dibs is a dibs, buddy. Who gives a shit? If a dibs falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear, is it still a dibs? Well, fuck yeah, buddy. Fuck no, buddy. Oh, give your balls a tug, you tit fucker. Wake up, you fucking pheasants!